Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. This is a message that began for me really at the beginning of the year. Um, some folks had come into Trinity, our, my home church, and uh, we're, we're preaching some messages, and there's, there was a theme in several of the messages that came at the front part of this year. We were, we were turning over into a new year, a new season. The season was fixing to change over, and the words were full of encouragement about uh, moving into the new season with expectation, with the belief that God was going to do something significant, with the belief that there was going to be triumph in the new season. It would be a season of victory and a season of breakthrough. And in fact, there was a particular line in one of the messages that just jumped out to me, and I want to read it for us, and then we'll talk about it. So this, uh, the Lord saying this is going to be a year that he turns our setbacks into setups for our comebacks. Our setbacks are going to be setups for our comebacks. Think about it. And as I heard these words, I began to think about my own journey. And I thought as I look back into the past season, there's some things that were going on in my life in the past season that I wanted to see as we move into the new season. I wanted to see some things change in my life. And it started in my thoughts, just in my head. Yeah, that's a really good thought. I'm loving all these words about triumph and victory. And then it moved from my head down into my heart, really got in my spirit. And I thought, yes, this is, this is a word that I'm going to grab hold of and I'm going to hang on to as I move into the new season. And the truth is, I began to think about my own journey in my life. And there were three very specific things that God spoke to me as we transitioned into the new season that he wanted to do in my life, some things that were setbacks in the past season that would be setups for my comeback in the new season. And as I began to think about those things, one of those places in particular was in the area of our family. And Amy and I, about 15 years ago, which is how long we've been married, uh, we wrote down on a little sheet of paper our non-negotiables, our family non-negotiables. And these are the things that inform our decisions. They're our value system, if you will. And as we go about life and as we've added children to our lives and we've added all kinds of other complicated things to our lives, these are our guiding principles, our guiding values. And as we begin to talk over our non-negotiables, there were some places in our lives related to our family that were not where we wanted them to be. Okay, and so Albert Einstein defines insanity like this. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Just keep that up there. Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So the Lord was speaking about this being a season of triumph, this being a season where the Lord was going to turn your setbacks into setups for your comebacks. And as I began to think about that and related to this place in my family, if I was going to see God do a miracle, if I was going to experience the, the victory, the breakthrough that God had for me in a new season, I was going to have to make some changes in my life. I could not keep operating my family the way we had been operating it if I wanted to see a breakthrough. Okay, and so in this particular area in our family, it meant that our calendar was going to reflect some changes that we were going to make with our family. It also meant that our checkbook, our bank account, would reflect some changes that we were going to make 
in our families. I believe that God has a comeback for all of us. I believe that there's victory waiting in the new season for each one of us. Exactly what Pastor Brad said. For so long, and in, in, in today's environment, believers, Christians, find themselves living, doing life on their heels. In order to have a comeback, if you're behind and you want to have a comeback, you've got to move on to the balls of your feet. You've got to get an offensive posture. For too many years, we've been sitting back trying to defend against the enemy, trying to cover, trying to protect. I think it's time for us to get on the balls of our feet and start advancing into what God has for each one of us. And so I want to title the message, Adjust. Okay? Adjust. And this word adjust, this is just straight out of the Webster's Dictionary, okay? This is the definition of the word adjust. It says to alter or move something slightly in order to achieve the desired result. So often when we think about making radical changes in our lives, we think about doing a 180, turning from one direction Go in the opposite direction. And I'm not saying that there may not be some of you in this room that God's going to ask you to do a 180 in this season. Maybe some of you just stumbled into church today. You, you just wandered into this building and God may be awakening something in your heart. It may be time for a 180, but really I'm talking about making an adjustment to move something slightly in order to achieve the desired result. And, you know, as we think about making adjustments... In the world of sports, and I think this is, a, this is a sports church, right? We like sports here. So in the world of sports, th this metaphor plays beautifully with this concept of adjusting. You know, the higher that you get in sports, these professional athletes, when you talk about dropping an elbow two to three inches to change a batter's swing, talk about making a slight adjustment with the position of your elbow when you're shooting your jump shot. It's a difference in 30 points a game and 10. It's inches, slight adjustments that change the game, make everything different. And I love the thought of a comeback related to a sports metaphor. That, that plays beautifully. Um, when, when you think about comeback, you really do think about sports. This year we had a very, it's football season, right? Game on. I mean, football is in full swing now. And there are some people in Atlanta right now that are playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder. The greatest comeback in all of football, it was happened last year in the Super Bowl, down 25 points. There, wasn't, there were very few people in the world that thought Tom Brady and the New England Patriots were going to make up that deficit. And so this year, the Atlanta Falcons are playing with a chip on their shoulder because they just happened to get come back home. In order for that comeback to happen, they had to move out of defensive posture and decide, okay, it's time to put some points on the board. We've got to start scoring points. And Tom Brady, and like I said, everybody, I mean, there were, there's haters of Tom Brady. You know, and I got to be honest with you, I don't know if this is going to change your opinion of me. I actually wanted Tom Brady to win from the get-go. I love dynasties in football, right? The guy had four Super Bowl rings. I kind of wanted him to have number five. But most of my friends and people around the world, they hated Tom Brady. They did not want to see Tom Brady win a fifth Super Bowl. But at halftime, I was getting texts from people that hated Tom Brady saying, you know, I kind of hope he comes back. Their hearts began to get soft for him. And even the announcers were just, were just saying, forget it, go home. You were watching Atlanta fans. They were putting on their Super Bowl champion hats. The, the players had actually quit playing. And everybody had given up on that deal except for 
Tom Brady. Never got frazzled. Understood, listen, we're down, but there's time on the clock. And if we'll make some adjustments, if we'll get on the balls of our feet, if we'll shift our focus and we'll, we'll start recognizing we've got time. Let, let's not quit yet. And I'm here to just challenge us and maybe even encourage us. There's time on your clock. And if God's asking you to make some adjustments in your life, today is the day to begin making those adjustments. The, the setbacks of your past season were setups for your comeback in the new season. God has breakthrough. God has victory in front of you. The thing about athletes, great athletes, like Tom, Tom Brady, LeBron James, he's another guy a lot of people love to hate. The th- all of these guys playing at a professional level, they, they're great athletes, great at their sport. I've often wondered, what's the difference maker in a comeback king, if you will? There are a lot of athletes that are known to be able to rally and come back, and I think it's their ability to assess the situation and make slight adjustments in order to keep advancing. The Bible is full of comeback stories. Stories where people were down and they just kept fighting and suddenly stepped into victory. Joshua inherited a team with a 40-year losing streak. Most people would have just said, "Mm, I believe there's a land flowing with milk and honey, but life's too short. These guys are losers. I'm going to look for a new team. The Apostle Paul knew something about making a comeback, and I'm so grateful that he did. He did not allow how the scoreboard of life read to determine how he would live his life. If he would have, we probably would not have two-thirds of the New Testament. See, in these days when he was writing these letters, he wasn't the great Apostle Paul. Paul had been beaten multiple times. Paul had been shipwrecked. Paul had been left for dead. Paul had been snake bitten. Paul had been, I mean, he had experienced the worst of the worst. He'd been hungry. Paul had been abandoned. He had life. I mean, you talk about, you talk about a track record. That's a bad deal. Bad deal. Paul had experienced some terrible moments. If there's anybody in the scripture that should have just thrown in the towel and quit, Hang up the cleats, if you will. Don't even come out of the locker room at the halftime. It was the Apostle Paul. Yet in Philippians chapter 3, and I love these words that he writes to us because they're comeback posture. It's the posture of comeback captured in this text. He says, not that I've already obtained this or am perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Here's what the Apostle Paul was saying. He had some moments in his life that didn't look real good, but he was going to keep moving forward. He was going to get in offensive posture. Paul knew that there was still time on his clock. Listen, I don't know what stage of life you're in, but some of you may be in here and you may feel like the clock has run out. And I'm here to tell you there's time on your clock. There's time. You got breath in your lungs. There is time on your clock. You can rally. You can have a comeback. You can experience a breakthrough. In the verses leading up to these verses in Philippians chapter 3, 
The Apostle Paul is talking about this life that he had walked out of, the life that uh, he used to live based on his own strength, based on his own ability. And he was telling his, in this letter, I- I've abandoned those things. And he's talking about obtaining righteousness that comes through faith in God. And here's what Paul was saying. He's saying, I'm not going to be defined by my past. I'm going to be defined by who I'm with. Christ Jesus has made me his own. Therefore, I am a winner. Here's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, I'm not perfect, but I'm moving into perfection. And maybe you're here today and you're thinking about your own journey and there's some, there's some parts of your story. Maybe your story has some trouble in its past. Maybe there's some moments that you lived in your life that were realities for you, some hardship that you had to experience. Maybe, maybe there was some pattern of sin, pattern of destruction in your life that's very much a part of your past. Maybe there was some addiction in your past. Or maybe you're here today and there's a failed marriage in your past and you have some moments in your past. Listen, your past does not define you. I'm so grateful that our past is not a predictor of our future. You can be defined by the one who you have chosen to be in and who is in you. Christ Jesus has made you his own. Therefore, you can put one foot in front of another and keep pressing on. The truth is, God is for you. There's a breakthrough waiting for you in the future if you'll just move into the future. Like the Apostle Paul said, I'm going to let go of those things in the past and I'm going to step into what God has for me in the next season of life. God has breakthrough for you. And you may have made some mistakes. You may, may have experienced some hardship. Maybe you've had moments when you've wanted to quit. I'm here to tell you, you didn't quit because you're in this room. Keep pressing on. God's going to give you the victory. Jesus was and is the ultimate comeback king. Think about his story, the life that he lived. And all throughout his journey here, when he was working with his friends, the disciples, he used real moments in life to help these folks recognize the power of the comeback and what he, had, what he was leaving them here to do and accomplish. And so I want to take a a journey here through a couple of the very familiar passages of Scripture where Jesus is is, um, talking in comeback language. And as as we start this, I'm going to give you three key areas for turning your setbacks uh, into setups for your comebacks. And I want you just to think about your own life. As I told you on the front end of this, there were some places in my life where I knew I needed to experience a comeback. I knew God had a comeback for me. There were some rallying moments. It doesn't have to be your whole life, maybe simply an area of your life, maybe some marriages in here, and you know you're not where you need to be, and you want to rally. You want to see a comeback happen. Maybe some finances where you want to see a comeback happen. Maybe some parenting going on in here that you go, man, I want to rally. I want to have a comeback. And so these are three key areas, and I believe if you apply these, to any area of your life, you will experience a comeback. The first place for us to adjust, we have to adjust our vocabulary. We have to adjust our vocabulary. If you are in Texas and you're at my church, I I would say, you got to watch your tongue. You better watch your mouth. So Jesus is with his disciples and they'd been doing a bunch of ministry and, and working hard, and I love the rhythm of Jesus. Oftentimes, he would work hard, and then he would stow away. He would get alone with the disciples, and, and or oftentimes, he would get alone by himself and sit with the Father. And they just finished doing a bunch of ministry, and in Matthew chapter 8, they get in a boat. 
Matthew 8, and when they had gotten into the boat, his disciples followed him into the boat, and behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves, kind of like some folks in my great state right now. <laughs> yeah, praise God for their safety. But he was asleep. Jesus was asleep on this boat, and they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we're perishing. And he said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? And then he rose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And so this is a pretty quick story that Matthew records in the gospel. I want, I want to take just a little bit of liberty with it, if I may. Jesus had gone asleep on the boat because he'd been doing the bulk of the work, frankly. <laughs> And his disciples find themselves terrified and they go down and wake Jesus up and they rattle him. Jesus, we're all going to die. We got on this boat with you. It was a big, huge mistake and we're all dead. None of us are going to get out of this storm alive. Judas has already gotten online. He spent all the money. We're broke. Peter's never seen his wife and kids again. Jesus, would you just do something about this crisis? And Jesus wakes up. And he goes to the top of the boat there, and, and Jesus could have simply done this. Could have waved his hand, and the wind and the waves would have obeyed just this. But he didn't just do that, did he? Jesus spoke to the wind. He spoke to the waves. He used his words. The Bible says that he upholds the universe by the power of his words. There's power in his word. He used his mouth, and he spoke to the storm. And I believe that he was so frustrated with his disciples. Why don't you guys just, why don't you believe? Why won't you just operate with the authority that I've entrusted to you? See, here's the thing. Jesus was frustrated with his disciples, not because they woke him up from his Sunday afternoon nap. He was frustrated with his disciples because they had the authority to speak to the wind and the waves and create calm in their circumstance, but they didn't do it. So let me give you this. The words that we speak with our mouths are directly connected to the belief that we carry in our hearts. There is authority in you. God has given you power in your mouth. You can speak to these things. We have to make an adjustment in our vocabulary so that we can rally and experience the comeback. I, I read an interview from one of the New England Patriot coaches, and I'm really not a New England Patriot fan. <laughs> I'm supposed to be a Dallas Cowboy fan. Um, one of these coaches, it was, it was like, a, like a defensive line coach, something like that, and, and it was a, an article that he wrote about, they asked him some questions about when did you know you were going to win? And the coach said, we never doubted. And he said, how did you not doubt? And he said, because number 12, he paced the sidelines. They were down 25 points, and this is exactly what Tom Brady was saying to the defensive unit, the special teams unit, and the offensive unit. He said, we're going to win. Keep playing. Don't give up. We're okay. We're going to win. He just kept saying it over and over and over again because he believed it in his heart. You can be bold, friends. You can be confident in your declaration over your life. Jesus is in your boat. In Proverbs 18, this great little verse, it says, both uh, uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death and life 
are in the power of the tongue. I want to think about the negative here just for a moment. Death is in the power of your tongue. You, you ever know anybody who talked themselves into being sick? You ever talked yourself into being hurt? You know, I've, I've got a little tendonitis in my left elbow right now. Just think about that. I think my left elbow is feeling a little weak. I might need to go get my left elbow checked out because it's hurting a little bit. See, if you talk like, say it a hundred times over and over again, your left elbow is going to start hurting. I, I've known some amazingly healthy individuals that talk themselves into being sick. I know a lot of really wealthy people that have talked themselves into being broke. Death is in the power of your tongue. The enemy wants to take control of your mouth. But he doesn't have the authority or the ability to take control of your mouth. You and only you are in control of your tongue. Death is in the power of the tongue, but so is life. Life is in the power of your tongue. Listen, the life that you need in your marriage, it's in your tongue. God, I thank you for my wife. God, I thank you for the joy that it is to do life with her. God, I thank you that I'm blessed because she's in my life. God, I thank you that marriage is a good thing. And the Bible says, who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. God, I thank you for the revival and the love that we're going to experience in our marriage. God, I speak life over my spouse. See, you can speak life. And, you, and as the words that you speak create change, you, the life that your finances need is in your tongue. You don't need a raise for your finances to turn around. You just need to begin to speak life over your finances. We serve uh, the God who is the king of all things. He is Jehovah Jireh. He's a provider. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. You can speak life over your finances. The life that you need in your physical body is in your tongue. The life that your children need is in your tongue. You know, in today's environment, being a parent, I've got three little kids. It's hard work. And there's some days when we have to work really hard to say anything good about our kids because kids go crazy. But the Bible says that they're a gift from God, a heritage, a blessing. So God, I thank you for these bundles of joy. God, I thank you that they run us ragged. God, I thank you that they're taking all of our money and zapping the life out. God, we bless them. God, I thank you that they're gifts that they've called. God, I thank you for the anointing that's in their life. God, I thank you that you promised no weapon formed against my kid will prosper. God, I thank you that you're going to cause your face to shine on them. And everywhere they go, people are going to, people are going to be drawn to the goodness of God in our children. God, I thank you for the blessing of these kids. See, you can speak life over your family. We have to make some adjustment in our vocabulary to experience the comeback that God has for us. The second place is we need to adjust our posture. We've got to adjust our posture. In John chapter 5, there's a great story. <laughs> the Bible is awesome. So there was in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. And in these lay a, a, a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, paralyzed. And one man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been there a long time. And he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool 
when the water is stirred up and while I'm going in, another steps down before me and Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And we know that this was on the Sabbath. Jesus took a little heat uh, from the legalists that were there because he was working on the Sabbath, all right? But here's what's fascinating. Jesus, we don't know what Jesus was doing. Jesus sees this man from a, a good distance away and he journeys over to him and he begins to have this conversation with him. And I want you to think about this. 38 years he'd been an invalid. We don't know how long he had been by the Pool of Bethesda. Here's what we do know. The Pool of Bethesda, I kind of like view it as a, as a hot spring. You know, one of those really cool little hot springs that comes and this amazing water just shows up and it feels amazing. And it's kind of, and there's healing in that water. And we know that he'd been laying there waiting to get healed. If he could just get in the water, he would have experienced healing. I think he was comfortable in his state. Maybe he'd gotten so used to not moving, he didn't want to move. Think about your own journey and the places where you know God wants to do some adjusting in your life. Have you gotten so comfortable in that condition? Maybe you've forgotten what it was like to move. I think so often we accept defeat. We think it's what we deserve. You know, I was... I was a bad boy, and I made a bad mistake, and so there's no way that God could love me. I know what the Bible says, that I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but really that probably doesn't totally apply to me because, right? So we think we deserve the invalid state. We think what we deserve is inactivity. We think we deserve sickness. We think we deserve being broke. We think we deserve all of this negative stuff, and we begin to accept it because we think it's what we deserve. See, the enemy is not for your movement. The enemy wants you to live in a paralyzed state. He knows if he can stop your forward progress, you will lose. He wants to convince you that you are worthless, that you are an invalid, that you are a loser. He wants you under his control to be crushed and defeated. And Jesus shows up to this man. And I believe it's a true question he's asking him. He sees him from afar and he goes, do you want to be healed? I mean, bud, hey, look, I mean, I'm not trying to get in your business, but healing. And all you got to do is get from here to here? Man, do you even re- do you really want to be healed? It's an honest question. Jesus was asking it. Well, and then he goes into all these excuses about why he can't move. Listen, friends, the Bible says draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You may not know what the next step that he's asking you to take, but when Jesus shows up and says, hey, I've got a comeback for you, he's asking you a question. Do you want to be healed? Will you move? Will you exert some energy to move yourself into the place of healing? All this guy had to do was just roll himself into the pool. It didn't have to look pretty. Some people may have stepped over him as he's making his way into that pool. But if he truly wanted to experience a breakthrough, if he truly wanted to get his legs back and get up on his feet and start moving forward, you think he could have found his way into the pool? And Jesus, I believe Jesus was totally frustrated. Man, this is my day off. Get up and walk. What am I? I've got time for all this. God is for your movement, friends. 
Jesus is for your movement. He's waiting for you to make an adjustment. We've got to adjust our posture and go, God, I'm not really sure what the next step is, but I'm doing it in faith. I'm coming your way. God, you said if I'll come your way, you'll come my way. God, I don't want to stay where I am, so I'm going to get up, and I'm going to move myself forward. I'm going to get on the balls of my feet, and I'm going to go score some points. We've got to adjust our posture. God isn't finished yet. God's not done with you. There's still time on your clock. Some of you have been praying some prayers that hadn't been answered yet. I'm here to tell you, keep praying them. God is moving. You're going to experience a breakthrough if you'll just keep moving. The final thing is we have to adjust our perspective. We have limited view, but heaven's view is unlimited. And we are connected to heaven. So Jesus had these friends in, in John chapter 11 Mary, Martha, and they had a brother named Lazarus. And we know that Jesus loved these guys, liked to hang out with them. Lazarus had gotten sick. In fact, Lazarus gotten really sick. And they said, Jesus, your friend Lazarus is sick. You need to come home and heal him. And Jesus is like, nah. Hung out for a couple more days. Lazarus dies. Jesus is going to make his way back to where Lazarus was, knowing that their resurrection power was in him and he was going to do some miracle and everybody shows up as Jesus is making his way back into the village. And everybody's frustrated with Jesus. Jesus, if you'd only been here, he wouldn't have died. Why are you dragging your feet? Why don't you keep hanging out over there for two days? If you'd have just been here, your friend wouldn't have died. Even after Jesus wept, they still said, well, it's his fault. It's his fault. They had a limited perspective. And so much of the time, we focus on what's right in front of us and we let our gaze go down and not up. And, 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 and Jesus is going to do something here. He's going to force them to shift their perspective and make an adjustment in how they see things. He said, Jesus deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take the stone away. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said, I did, not, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you, that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And you know the dead man came alive. Listen, you may feel like you're experiencing death in an area of your life. I'm here to tell you when Jesus is present, there's always a way to come back. He is the king of kings. He is about resurrection. He, the power of resurrected life is in Jesus. You can adjust and win your race. Some of you are so focused on what's right in front of you. I'm telling you, look up. Look up. We serve the God of the supernatural. Jesus rides on the clouds. Everywhere you go, every moment of your life that you'll ever experience, every situation, every hardship that you'll ever face, the presence of God is right in that, in that with you. He said he'll never leave you or abandon you. He is with you. And I'm here to tell you, you're doing better than you think you are, friends. You're doing better than you think you are. There's good days in front of you. You're, you're making gains. Here's how I know that. You're sitting in this room listening to me talk right now. And you may be living in a setback moment. But I'm telling you that it's a setup for your, for your comeback. It's a setup for your comeback. Let me, let me finish and illustrate like this. Back to our sports metaphor, and I'm really done here. If your favorite sports team is playing in a game and they're losing, and you're sitting around eating popcorn with your friends, and all of a sudden your team starts coming back, 
wow, I believe, I believe they may just come back and win this thing. And suddenly they do, and now they're winning. You don't just sit there, well, wasn't that just, would you like another Diet Coke? No. If you're watching a game and your team starts coming back, did you see that? I think they can win this thing. And you start throwing popcorn across the room, you get fired up. And if they do come back, you jump up and down, you start doing chest bumps in the room. Here's the thing, friends. Some of you are going through life. Well, Lord, I just, maybe you'll. Listen, God wants to move on your behalf. Some of you need to adjust your posture. God, I thank you that you're working on my behalf. God, I thank you that I read the scripture today and the Bible tells me that I'm your favorite. I'm the apple of your eye. God, I thank you that you love me, therefore I can love. God, I thank you that you have called me not to be, not to be the beat down, beat down, depressed. God, but you called me to be more than an overcomer. God, I thank you that in you I do overcome. God, I thank you that I gained the victory because of what you've accomplished for me. You have to make some adjustments in your life in order to experience the comeback that I believe that Jesus died to make available for all of us. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.